Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Very glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today as usual. Your stool is prepared, so let's dig in. Jim, it's not often that we're sticking up for the White House press corps, and it's probably an open question how much we should be sticking up for them today, given how much they've uh, acted like a pro wrestling referee and looked the other way at a lot of Joe Biden issues, uh, competency, uh, his whole campaign strategy of uh, basically hanging out in his basement and not really calling him out on it. But yesterday it got to the point where they couldn't ignore it any longer. They might ignore it again in a day or two, but they couldn't ignore it any longer. Biden gave a speech at the UN, didn't hang out there very long. Uh, His staff claimed it was because it might be a super spreader event. So they had to get him back to the White House ASAP. But Boris Johnson, the British prime minister, also at the White House yesterday, they had their little uh, meeting in front of the press in the uh, Oval Office. Apparently, no questions were supposed to be asked, but uh, Boris Johnson agreed to take a couple. And so... Questions started to be asked, but as as you'll hear in this situation, Johnson is still wrapping up his answer when uh, Biden White House staffers just start shouting him down as well as all the press members so nobody can ask any questions of President Biden. Listen. And uh, I think nobody wants to see anything that uh, interrupts or uh, unbalances the, the Belfast Good Friday uh, Accords. That's the uh, Belfast Good Friday Agreement. And so this uh, frustrated the press corps, Ed O'Keefe of CBS News, uh, tweeting out uh, that as we were leaving, I asked the president for his reaction to the situation on the southern border due to shouting by White House aides, the noise of everyone leaving and the president wearing his mask. We could not make out the answer. And then Stephen Portnoy, who I believe is also with uh, CBS News, uh, led the march down to Jen Psaki's office. His statement says the entire editorial component of the U.S. pool went immediately into Jen Psaki's office to register a formal complaint that no American reporters were recognized for questions in the president's Oval Office and that Wranglers loudly shouted over the president as he seemed to give an answer to Ed O'Keefe's question about the situation at the southern border. Biden's answer could not be heard over the shouting. Saki was unaware that the incident had occurred and suggested that she was not in position to offer an immediate solution. Your pooler requested a press conference, meaning with Biden. Saki suggested the president takes questions several times a week, which is highly debatable. So, uh, Jim, it's actually gotten to the point now where they're upset with a Democratic administration and Jen Psaki doesn't seem to be the uh, concerned in the slightest. You know, of all the topics you would think that Jen Psaki would be up to speed on, you would think it would be how often the president takes questions. that's kind of like front and center in her job, right? You know, the the idea that she, oh, he's always asking questions. Look, taking one or two on the way to Marine Force One and doing the old Reagan trick trick of what, what? I can't hear the question. Oh, I got to get it going, you know. (laughs) Um, Look, look, there's a simple way to, to, you know, shut up White House reporters who are complaining that you're not taking enough questions. And that's to take more questions, to go and do the White House press conference. Now, look, we know why the president doesn't do that. One of the recent times he did it was that July 8th press conference. But Biden went out there and assured us, though, it's not like the Taliban's going to take over uh, Afghanistan and, and all of these. We're, we're absolutely committed to making sure every single person gets out. And, and, you know, the president gets himself in trouble every time he 
Uh, I would say every time he opens his mouth, but pretty much like whatever he, he goes off script. They clearly want to keep him to a prepared script on the teleprompter. That's why he doesn't take questions. That's why you see all those images of him turning his back and all that kind of stuff. Because when he does, you know, sit down for an interview, you get stuff like that was four or five days ago, man. You know, like the, the true Biden comes out. And the true Biden is kind of a jerk, particularly when he's challenged, particularly when he's pressed. Um, and with so many things going badly for the administration on this, whether it's uh, inflation, whether it's a situation of the border, uh, whether it's Afghanistan, whether it's, you know, the, the current diplomatic brouhaha with the French, um, all the boasting of getting tough with uh, China and, and not really panning out all the boasting of getting tough with Saudi Arabia, with Russia, they're all you know, like, there's just not a lot of good news for this administration these days. So we have this like minimum level of communication from the president of the United States, which I guess works for him as a way of avoiding accountability, but it really doesn't serve the American public very well. And uh, I just want to point out that you know, if the White House press corps really feels so upset about this, maybe they should have demanded more access to Biden back when he was on a, just candidate Biden. Maybe that would have done some good. Oh, absolutely right. Absolutely right. It's just unconscionable what they would let slide during the campaign. And we haven't even gotten to the fact that uh, more and more reporters have, uh, you know, verified the Hunter Biden uh, New York Post story from October, which we were told by Biden on a debate stage was Russian disinformation. But, uh, you know, yeah, they protected him all the way through the campaign. And now they're shocked that they're being treated the same way that he's in the White House. Uh, Yeah. Good work, guys. Uh, somehow that was the good martini, but uh, they did. They did. Well, the fact that they're not meekly rolling over is a pleasant surprise. <laughs> yes. Anyway, well, while you're waiting for the next Biden press conference, which is probably going to be a while, uh, you definitely want to get in some good meals. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about on that front today. Let's start with Wild Alaskan Company, because uh, when you defrost seafood, the countdown for freshness has already begun. And who really knows how long that so-called fresh grocery store fish has been sitting out. But Wild Alaskan Company freezes their fish right after it's caught, so it's perfectly handled and delicious when you're ready to cook. And I got to tell you, Wild Alaskan Company, fantastic salmon. We've got a uh, shellfish allergy in the house, so uh, we're a little bit limited in what we can get here. But uh, the the salmon is uh, fantastic. Uh, Mrs. Columbus uh, cooks it in a number of different ways, and uh, every time it's very, very good. And we're right now waiting on our next uh, box of Wild Alaskan Company uh, fish and cannot wait. So Wild Alaskan Company, best fish out there. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high quality, sustainably sourced, wild caught seafood right to your door. Each shipment contains premium cuts of individually wrapped portions of delicious seafood that are ready to prepare and easy to cook. You can choose from salmon, cod, halibut, or more, or a combination of these. And every month there are different specials to explore. Wild Alaskan Company seafood is how nature intended it to be. Always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. And right now you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash martini. That's wildalaskan, A-L-A-S-K-A-N, company.com slash martini for $15 off your first box. WildAlaskanCompany.com slash martini. Make sure to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. All right, Jim, we referred to it earlier in the week. Uh, Let's go back in our bad martini today to the crisis at the southern border. There's a crisis in many different areas on our southern border. The one getting the attention this week is near Del Rio, Texas. Uh, That's because there was a massive congregation of migrants, particularly Haitians, 
under the bridge there in Del Rio, numbering over 10,000, I think getting close to 15,000 at one point. The media, most of the media, the left, Democrats, ignoring it until there were images of Border Patrol on horses uh, containing uh, these uh, Haitian migrants. And then we got ridiculously false allegations of Border Patrol using whips and dehumanizing people, uh, you know, comparisons to slavery and all sorts of things. Uh, Reins is what they call them when you're uh, pulling the ropes on your horse. But uh, nonetheless, despite the fact that so many people were allegedly being flown back to Haiti, it all depends on your situation. Uh, AP, many Haitian migrants camped in a small Texas border town are being released into the United States. Two U.S. officials said, undercutting the Biden administration's public statements that the thousands in the camp faced immediate expulsion. Haitians have been freed on a very, very large scale. That's in quotes. In recent days, according to one U.S. official who put the figure in the thousands. Many have been released with notices to appear, though, Jim, at an immigration office within 60 days, an outcome that requires less processing time from border agents than ordering an appearance in immigration court. But of course, as we know from over the years, most of them don't show up. Uh, Bill Malugan, who works for Fox News, is uh, covering this very carefully from a border patrol source in Del Rio. Quote, we are releasing family groups, couples who claim the female is pregnant, family units, meaning families with children. All a woman has to do is claim she is pregnant and she will be released. They're asked to please report to immigration within 60 days, unquote. So basically, the only ones they're sending back are, are single males. So, uh, Jim, this is pretty much part and parcel of the Biden administration plan that they say is working. Uh, according to other sources from Bill Malugan, about 600,000 uh, have been released into the country so far this year. So unless this is the plan to just let them all in, which I think it is, actually, um, I'm not really sure what Mayorkas and Biden think that they're accomplishing here. You know, Greg, when I saw this news, I started thinking about how much throughout, I mean, 2020, but even, you know, as the Democratic primary was heating up in 2019, the amount of arguments we heard about whether Joe Biden, whether the Democratic Party in general, was the party of open borders. And, the, you know, Republicans and Trump, President Trump would make this accusation. Democrats would insist, no, 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 we don't believe that at all. And many, you know, media people would say, oh, no, that's a complete, mis you know, it's a lie. It's a, you know, pants on fire. It's completely. Well, here's the thing. If you have, uh, if, if your policy is to uh, halt all construction of border fencing, greatly restrict the actions of the Immigrations and Customs Enforcement and Customs and Border Patrol, and if your policy is to uh, openly discuss how much you want an amnesty, a path to citizenship to the people who have entered the country illegally. And it's off in the future that you are creating this giant incentive for people to try to come across the border. Uh, if you have month after month, we talked about this a bit on yesterday's podcast about how, um, you know, several, or I guess we've talked about this for a while now that, you know, for several months, it's been way past the 100,000 people encountered at the Southwest border and a couple months of more than 200,000. And if your plan is when you do encounter these people, well, we're going to catch them, we're going to release them in the United States, and we're going to tell them to show up in court later. And if they don't show up in court, we can try to catch them, but God knows where they are at that point. You know, uh, If you add up all of that, that is functionally open borders. That, that is basically saying, you can call, you know, as long as you can sneak past us, you can get here. But even if you get caught, there's a really good chance that you can then go 
and and just disappear into American life, into some other community. God knows if law enforcement will ever catch up with you. And don't worry, because someday you're going to down the road, you're going to have an amnesty. Like you add all this up, this turns into open borders. And the, we spent a lot of time the last couple of years, you know, of, of insisting, hey, this is, you know, this is open borders. This is, you know, the sort of thing that uh, the Republican Party strongly opposes and Democrats say, no, 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 we don't believe it's open borders at all. Well, here we are. And what we're seeing at the border is functionally open borders. So, you know, lo and behold, the critics of Biden were correct. Biden was wrong. You know, we tried to warn you, America, but uh, nobody listened yeah, and there's a lot of people, I think you're one of them, Jim, perhaps, that uh, has written about uh, the fact that a lot of these Haitians were already in Latin or South America uh, long before this, uh, and they were basically waiting for a good time to come north. And the reason they're coming now is because they know that catch and release is very much in place. And as long as they can claim they're part of a family unit in some way, or just pretend that the female in the group is pregnant, then they're going to get in. And then they don't have to show up and nobody's going to chase them. And that's it. And so this is basically the the plan. They know they can get in and there's nothing the Biden administration plans to do about it, except maybe make them citizens at some point. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's your punishment. You're a citizen. <laughs> exactly. All right. Everybody take a deep breath. That's a lot of stress and a lot of bad news right there in that martini. But uh, there are still Omaha steaks to be grilled. So just try to keep everything in perspective here. Love Omaha steaks. And they are delivered right to your house. So it's extremely convenient. And the quality of the meat is fantastic. And they give you fantastic sides as well. Uh, They give you the bacon-wrapped filet mignon. I can't tell you how good this is. But I probably don't have to. I mean, just using those words together uh, is enough. Uh, The burgers are fantastic. You can get fries. You can get au gratin potatoes. You can get desserts. It all comes together. So... uh, Get a jump on your planning with easy, quality, delicious meals for those busy work and school nights. Just go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code martini into the search bar and order the deluxe grill out assortment. It includes over 30 entrees you can share with your family. Uh, and that includes, like I said, bacon wrapped filet mignons, boneless chicken breasts, boneless pork chops, filet mignon burgers, gourmet jumbo franks, all beef, meatballs, sides, and desserts. Visit omahasteaks.com, keyword martini, and save over 50% when you order the deluxe grill-out assortment. Plus, you'll get 12 free Omaha Steaks burgers and keep making memories with the ones you love. That's omahasteaks.com, keyword martini. omahasteaks.com, keyword martini. All right, Jim, let's talk about our crazy martini now. And of course, in addition to the infrastructure bill and the gargantuan $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill, which is the... uh, the liberal Christmas tree, uh, the Democrats are also trying to pass a continuing resolution since we're almost at the end of the fiscal year and they want to uh, raise the debt ceiling. And so that's what they were working on yesterday when somehow the squad got enough influence to strike out funding for Israel's Iron Dome defense system, at least for the time being. This is the Hill. House Democrats will remove a provision originally included in a bill that would have helped boost Israel's Iron Dome air defense system in order to keep the federal government funded through December 3rd. Democratic leaders are removing the provision from the bill, which was unveiled Tuesday morning after some progressives objected, according to sources familiar with the last-minute snag. Congress must act within a matter of days to avoid a government shutdown. Uh, The question, though, Jim, is why this happened now. Does this mean... There are this many anti-Semites in the Democratic caucus or that uh, Rashida Tlaib and 
a band of far left progressives have this much power just because the margins in the House of Representatives are so narrow. I mean, you've got the Democratic leadership insisting they're going to vote on this. It's going to be a standalone. It's going to pass. Nothing's going to change, really. But, uh, you know, once upon a time, people this crazy would have been told to go pound sand. But apparently we can't do that anymore. Indeed, Greg. I, I When I saw this play out yesterday, and we should point out that there is a possibility this money will get restored uh, in sub, somewhere down the line. There are Democrats who do not like this, including Steny Hoyer, which I think between, you know, pro-Israel Democrats and Republicans, there should be enough votes to get this back, get the money back in there. Um, but I wonder how much this is, you know, we, we're seeing this tug of war between the progressives and the centrists or purported centrists or purported moderates in the Democratic caucus. Uh, and, it, you know, here's the thing. Israel is not currently uh, using Iron Dome, or at least it hasn't been in the news very much. It's been relatively quiet over there. It seemed like a really weird, out-of-the-blue fight to have, and suddenly for this to turn into a really important priority for the squad. I thought the squad was trying to you know, negotiate the de facto Green New Deal in the $3.5 trillion spending bill. Like, like why, why are we all up, all up in arms about Iron Dome? And I can't help but suspect, Greg, that the progressives can see the handwriting on the wall. Not only are they not going to get the $3.5 trillion, the, they have very little leverage over Joe Manchin and, and Kirsten Sinema. And, you know, there are also rumors that other, you know, Democratic senators like Maggie Hassan up in New Hampshire really aren't that comfortable with this. Um, one of the things I noted in the uh, editor's podcast earlier this week is that the moment Manchin said, maybe we should wait until 2022 on the really big spending bill, we should just do the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which is the relatively small one. It was almost like ideation, right? It became, Manchin saying that out loud made it real. And even though I think it's necessarily going to happen, it suddenly became an option on the table that, that clearly he, by him floating it, meant he thought this was a good idea. And so now not just, you know, what level of spending can you get Manchin up there for? It's a question of like, are you going to even get a big, you know, American dream plan or whatever the hell they're calling it these days? Uh, this massive spending, but is it even going to pass this year? Or are you going to just have to stuck for the, get stuck with the bipartisan infrastructure bill? Um, obviously, there are a whole bunch of Democrats who don't want any big spending bill to be close to Election Day uh, in 2022. You can see the Republicans, you can see the conservative groups getting together, you know, all of their, they're raising taxes, they're spending like crazy, they're leaving debt to our kids. All those messages are ready to go. And we've seen that message resonate in 2010 and in 2014. And so I wonder for the progressive, the, the, the uh, Jamiro PayPal's and the, the AOC's and the, the squad, they need a win. They need some symbolic victory. They need something they can go back to their voters and say, yeah, we lost on the big spending bill, but look at what we did on Iron Dome, right? This, this, in other words, this is throwing them a bone. This is giving them some symbolic victory to placate them for the inevitable greater defeat coming down the pike. I don't know if that's for certain, but that kind of the fact that this turned into such a big fight seemingly overnight says to me something, something else is going on behind the scenes here. And the second observation I'm going to make is that defenders of Iron Dome, including some congressional Democrats, were saying, look, Iron Dome is basically a bigger, fancier version of the Patriot missile battery. Iron Dome is a defensive missile. So it shoots down incoming rockets. It is a defensive missile system. And I saw some schmuck on Twitter who said, let's not get into semantics about offensive and defensive missile systems. <laughs> it is really like, you know, semant it's what the thing does, you know? Anyway, just a, um, let's not bring the facts into our high dudgeon here. That has no place in this debate. So, yeah. 
Um, I don't think the Iron Dome uh, funding is really going to go away. I, this feels like a uh, almost a kabuki, you know, symbolic fight designed to obscure something else. But here's the other thing: like of all the things, you know, you want to cut to Israel missile defense, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> There's not a single bit of foreign aid elsewhere that you think you can get rid of. So, yeah, let's face it. They're all a bunch of terrible anti-Semites and screw them. That's that. That's 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 all you really need to know. Listeners. I know I enjoyed some of the, uh, the the tweets in defense of this move saying you guys always talk on the right about needing to cut back on uh, foreign aid. And I'm like, you really think that people who are demanding we spend three and a half trillion are making this about the billion dollars that this costs? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, now you're fiscal conservatives? <laughs> right, okay, you know. They hate Israel. Come on, man. Oh. Anyway, Jim, on that note, let's rest up. Do it tomorrow. See you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, please tell your friends about us. Subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Uh, very grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Uh, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday, and please join us again on Thursday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.